Therefore, remember, once the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made by the flesh, made in the flesh by hands that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and broke down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity, and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Thus eating, uh, ending the reading of the word of God, let us pray. Father God, we do come to you this morning because we need you. I need you, Lord. More than ever before, I need you. So as I stand to, to proclaim your word this morning, I pray that you would take Mary Dana out of herself and you put yourself there. And when I open my mouth, Lord, your words will come. And, the, and when, the, when your children hear your words, they know that they had come from you because you are our Father, you are our God, you are our all and all. And I do thank you and I love you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If I throw this mic behind me, I hope the words will still come forth. Because I'm not used to holding stuff when, when, when I have to proclaim the word because I, I use my hands a lot. So if, if I miss something, you guys pick it up, okay? All right, Pastor, I'm depending on you. The church age began at Pentecost. Born in Jerusalem, the church spread rapidly through the ministry of the apostles and the early believers. Because of persecution of the believers, the gospel flame quickly spread to other cities and nations. On three courageous journeys, Paul and his associate established local assemblies in scores of Gentile cities. On Paul's third missionary trip, he stayed in Ephesus for three years, preaching and teaching with great effectiveness. A few years later, he was sent to Rome as a prisoner for refusing to stop preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many of us would go to prison if we had to stop preaching for Jesus Christ. If we didn't stop, he said, you're going to jail. How many of you would say, okay, okay, I'll leave it alone for a little while, but I got to come back to it. 
Would you not say I'm refusing to stop preaching and praising and teaching God's word just to satisfy man? I would go to prison myself because they, they just have to drag me on in there. But Paul went as a prisoner. He was, he, they allowed him to have visitors, so he would sit down and take time to write letters back to the churches that he had established. And these letters were not written to confront any hearsays or problems the churches were having, <clears throat> but to strengthen and encourage the churches in the area. And he challenged the believers to function as a living body of Jesus Christ on earth. Paul called them saints because they were faithful in Jesus Christ. All Christians should be faithful to Jesus Christ. He has blessed us with grace and all spiritual blessings. And Paul also expressed a beautiful reminder that God had a divine plan for us before the foundation of the world. Listen what was said in Jeremiah 29, 11. God stated, for I know the plan I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I heard pastor say a few weeks ago, we were chosen, we were predestined, we were set apart, separated, redeemed, we were forgiven, we were adopted and put a mark of the seal was placed upon us for security. We are worthy of every spiritual blessing. Every believing sinner owes his or her nearness to the official death of Jesus Christ. His sacrificial death for us to be near to him. He saved us from our sins. Everybody should be familiar with Romans 3.23 when it says all A-L-L, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It was Jesus who volunteered to be that perfect lamb to die for us. No more bulls, no more goats, no more lambs, no more turtle doves, no more pigeons, no more going to the priest once a year to, 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 to get cleaned up from our sinfulness. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, my friends, it cannot be emphasized too strongly the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the question was asked, where did Paul get this revelation, the good news that, that he was preaching to, to the churches around that area? He got it from the risen Christ. Christ gave it to him himself. As we would say, he got it from the horse's mouth. Because nobody can tell your story like you can tell your story. And nobody can tell God's story like he can tell his story. Listen, listen to what Paul told the Ephesians in, in verse 12. At that time, he said, Remember when you were in a Christless condition without any saving relations to him? And that must be a sad and deplorable thing for a soul to be without a Christ. And do you know that it takes some people a lifetime or even longer than that to learn what they are doing is not pleasing to God? They want to keep on doing sinful things, satisfying the flesh, 
not obeying God's law and think God should look the other way. But God said, the soul that sinneth should die. Remember when you were without Christ, you were aliens? Remember when you did not belong to Christ's church? You were strangers to the covenant of promise? Do you remember? Do you remember? Unregenerated sinners are strangers to the covenant. They had no hope. So, you look at me and say, well, why couldn't God just forgive us? He knew what we were going to do. He knew we were going to sin. He knew that we were going to do all sorts of things that wasn't pleasing in his eyes. So why couldn't he just forgive us? And you know, that's a good question. Which brings me to the points that I would like to share with you today. And the first point is, let us find out the purpose of Christ's death. The purpose of Christ's death. Christ died on a Roman cross. Now that's a fact from history. But the important thing is, why did he die? God left no room for doubt as to the purpose of Christ's death. He died for our sins, period. The Holy Spirit through the prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 53.3, but he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes, not my stripes, not pastor's stripes, not your stripes, but his stripes, we were healed. And then I, I went to the NIV to get its version. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we were healed. He did not sin, yet he was a man of grief and sorrow. Those griefs and sorrows didn't belong to him. They belonged to us. He bore them for us on the cross and died in our place. The purpose of Christ's death was to save us from sin. We were classified as sinners by nature. We're born into this sinful mess. The world was already messy when we got here, already polluted. It was mean and hateful, jealous envious, liars, thieves, murderers. They were already here. We, we were Gentiles in the flesh. No God on our side. We were lost in sin and couldn't do nothing, absolutely nothing about it. God had to come to earth himself in the person of Jesus Christ to redeem us. He wrapped himself in human flesh planted his seed inside the womb of a virgin, came down through 42 generations to save this sinful world. Oh, glory, hallelujah. That's another message you'll be hearing sometime in the future. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, because John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. That's you, that's me, that's all of us online, that's all of us all overseas and everywhere, all, all had sinned, but God so loved us. 
that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus did not have to die on that tree. He didn't have to die on that old rugged cross, but he did it because he loved us. He gave, God gave us his best gift while we were yet sinning. God sent his only begotten son down here for us. And do we appreciate him at all? No, because we go right back to the same old thing that we just left behind that he just brought us out of. God loves us, one and all, and he wants us to trust and obey in him. Number two, the necessity of Christ's death. I have two reasons why it was very necessary for Christ to die for us. The cross meets the sinner's needs. If it hadn't been for the cross, we wouldn't have had no hope, none whatsoever. You see, it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. There is no divine forgiveness apart from the shedding of blood. Hebrews 9.22 tells us, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Not just any blood, no more bull's blood, no more lamb's blood, no more goat's blood, no more pigeon's blood, not your blood, not my blood, not mama's blood or daddy's blood, not pastor's blood, nobody's blood but the blood of Jesus. Why? Because we were all sinners. We were all sinners. And it took nothing less than God's son Jesus to atone for our sins. I can't take my blood and wash you clean. You can't take your blood and wash me clean because you're in the same boat I'm in. And therefore, we can't save each other. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, yes, oh, yes, my friends, all of you in here, my friends today. My Bible tells me you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. It provides the mean by which God can be just and justifier of him that believes in Jesus Christ. That's the reason God could not just forgive us. That's the reason why God could not just forgive us. He said, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. God must uphold his holy law. He cannot overlook our sins or pretend he, he does not know about them or, 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 or just just turn his back and say, oh, well, he can't do that. Whatever God does must be in accord with his righteousness and his justice. And I've said before and I'll say it again, it's a sad and deplorable thing for a soul to be without Christ. In verses 11 through 18 in this uh, passage of, of Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is taken our minds back a little ways. 
Remember when you were not where you are today? We weren't always rich. We weren't always driving Mercedes and BMWs and, and, and all those Ferraris and all that stuff. We haven't been there all the time. Remember when you were in a miserable condition, living in corruption of your nature? Remember when you were excluded? Remember when you were in a, child, a Christless condition without any God on your side? Aliens and strangers from the covenant of promises. There was no hope without Christ. And strangers from the covenant have no good hope. Remember when you were living in darkness? In this cold, cold, cruel, mean world, there was no love. There was no mercy. There was no friend on your side. All glory, hallelujah, to God. Remember, remember, remember when you were doing drugs and, and uh, over-exerting ex yourself with alcohol, when you were promiscuous. Don't you remember when you were sinking in sin far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, you were sinking to rise no more. But now, Paul said, but now you have been saved. While you was out there screaming and hollering, the master heard your despairing cry, and from the muck and the mire, he lifted you, placed your feet on the solid ground. Now you are safe. Now you are safe. Now you are safe in his arms. Oh, I'm converted. I'm connected. I'm confident. And I'm clear that Jesus is the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And can't nobody get to my father unless they come through me. And if you don't come through me, you are not going to put your feet on, he on heaven's gate. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you this little story, and then I'm going to sit down. The huge LaGuardia International, Air, uh, LaGuardia International Airport in Queens, New York, was named after a former mayor. He was loved and admired by people of all political parties. Once when he was a city judge, an old man was brought before him into court, charged with stealing a loaf of bread. The man admitted to stealing the bread because he was hungry. The judge was sympathetic about the situation, said he was sorry the man had to steal to satisfy his hunger, but not, he said, I cannot allow people to steal. The law says you must pay a fine or go to jail. As your judge, I must carry out the law. I fine you $10. But sir, the old man said, I can't afford to pay it. I have no means of paying that fine. Judge thought for a while, hmm. And then he did the most wonderful, magnificent thing a judge could do. He got up out of his chair, took his robe off, laid it over on the side, went down to where the man stood before the courts, put his hands on the man's shoulder, and he says, as your judge, I must sentence you. But as your friend, 
I want to pay your fine. Oh, glory, hallelujah. He went into his pocket and he pulled out that $10 bill and paid that fine for that, that poor, poor man. We owed a debt we could not pay. Christ paid a debt that he did not owe. Christ Jesus paid the debt we could never pay. We were once lost in sin, but now, oh, but now it was Christ who broke down the wall of petition, that dividing wall of hostility, that wall of prejudice, that wall of evilness, that wall of separation for us who were in an unclean state. But now, oh, but now we're saved by the grace of God. Oh, yes, my friends, we were we were sinking deep in sin, but the master of the sea heard our despairing cry. He stayed on that wooden cross. He said he would not come down just to save himself, but he stayed up there and he saved us from our sins. He saved us from death grips. Yes, he suffered for our sins, for yours and mine. And when he took on all the sins he needed to satisfy God, he cried in a loud voice, Father, it is finished. It is finished. And he laid his head in the locks of his shoulder, and he died. Oh, yes, he died. He died. He died. And when he died, the sun refused to shine. Darkness came over all the earth. The earth quaked and shook. The rocks split. The curtains in the temple tore from the top to the bottom, revealing the holy of holies. Surely, surely he died. Oh, yes, he died. He went to the grave. But the grave could not hold him. For on the third day he got up, he got up, he got up from that old cold, cold grave with all power in heaven and earth in his hands. The grave could not hold him. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victor? Jesus, Jesus is our peace. He said, my peace I leave with you, not as the world giveth you, but the peace that I give you. Oh, I wonder how many of you out there know who I'm talking about. When I call upon the name of Jesus, do you know who I am talking about? He, have you accepted him as your Lord and your Savior? He gave you opportunities. He didn't, he didn't make you say that, okay, I'll do this for you, Lord God, if you would do this for me. And, and, and it's nothing like that. God said, if you trust me and believe me, I will take care of you. I serve a risen Savior today. He's not in just this world. He's in my life. He's in my heart. And I'm going to serve him. I'm going to serve him until the day I die. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 